If I can invite you to remain standing, our scripture reading comes this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, uh, verses 1 through 3, and then verse 18. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping support them out of their own means. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated. I'm a creature of habit. This is my stand. All right. It's good to be here with you all this morning as we're gathered here together. I do want to take a brief moment to thank um, all of you who helped de-decorate the sanctuary from Christmas and the Christmas season yesterday. Thank you for braving the cold, for coming and helping, and for uh, just helping us get everything picked up. I'm so pleased with uh, just the Advent season that we had here at this church this year. I mean, with all of the community events we were able to host and the other things that we had going on, our own cantata, our own worship services, it was just a great a great advent and so thank you all for for all you've done and then i also want to thank uh, everyone who brought mitten tree mittens and socks uh, there's a couple of really 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 full uh, laundry baskets back in the, the narthex area from where the tree was yesterday uh, that we will be delivering to parkview this week uh, if anyone has additional socks or mittens and you'd like to drop them by please feel free to do so and i'll make sure they get over to parkview i know that uh Whoever the, I don't know what the person's called at Parkview that, uh, that distributes them, but I know that they greatly appreciate it and they get them and distribute them to the kids that need them. And so thank you all for, for your willingness to, to be in, in outreach with the folks at Parkview and the kids at Parkview. So today we're going to be shifting gears and starting a new sermon series. We're going to be spending some time in Luke's gospel, uh, and except we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to stay in one chapter of Luke's gospel for about four weeks. And so it could get a little different. I don't know how it's going to go. I've never really uh, spent this much time in just one chapter. But I'm going to tell you that Luke 8 contains a parable that in some of the commentaries I've been reading and uh, preparing for this sermon series, the authors are referring to it as the parable of parables. That it contains the parable of parables, meaning, I think, that if you were to study one parable of Jesus, this would be the one because it has so many different layers and can be read by different people, and all of us can get a message and receive a message when we read it. This parable is also one of the few that if you're to read the synoptic gospels, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that all three of the synoptic gospels contain this parable. Meaning that if you read it in Luke, you can go to Matthew and read his version, and then you can go to Mark and read Mark's version. And since we believe that each gospel writer wrote their gospel and they were attuned to the guidance and direction of the Spirit, I think we can see that this parable is important for us. And I think that Jesus also emphasized how important this parable was uh, in terms of what, how he talked to it, about it to the disciples because it speaks to each of us. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking carefully at this parable of the sower 
Because it's a word that Jesus speaks to each of us. It gets us thinking on how we receive the gospel, of how we prepare ourselves to receive the gospel. And even the way that you and I approach the way we live our faith and the way that we approach the way that we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. So today I want to begin by looking at the end of this parable. We're going to look at Luke chapter 8, verse 18. Jesus says this, Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he, what he thinks, wait, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Yes, sorry, I wrote thing in my notes. Okay, let me reread it. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. Consider carefully how you listen. I don't know about you, but I think it's easy for us when we read Luke 8, Luke 9, some of the other uh, chapters of the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is, is sharing parables. I think it's easy for us to gloss over this bit of instruction that he's giving us to consider carefully how you listen. I think it's easy for us to overlook it because this uh, sentence in Jesus' teaching comes immediately after his, his teaching about sowing of seed and of soils. Then he talks about a lamp stand and a lamp being placed on a stand. And then it's immediately followed by uh, Jesus calming a storm. And then he goes to the land of the Gerasenes and he casts the demons from this man into the herd of pigs and they run into the water. And then he goes to, to heal a synagogue official named Jairus' daughter. And, he and a woman experiences healing as she touches the edge of his cloak as he walks by her. There are so many teachings, so many events that are happening in Luke 8 that I think it's easy for us to overlook these words that he gives in the very middle of Luke 8. <clears throat> where he says, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. And whoever does not have will essentially be given less. I mean, he's talking about how we receive his teaching, isn't he? I mean, if you think about it, his ministry is gaining steam at this point in the time of the Gospel of Luke. He's healed the sick, he's fed the hungry, he's raised the dead, he's called the disciples, he's confronted the Pharisees and the religious authorities, he's delivered the Sermon on the Mount, he has been anointed by a woman in the home of the Pharisee, his ministry is growing. His message is getting out. People are hearing what is happening and they're beginning to seek him out for themselves. They want to see what's happening. They want to know what he's saying. And they're drawn to the message itself because the message of Jesus is changing lives. So, after, so Luke writes that, that um, in the beginning of, of Luke 8, he says, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits' diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others, and then Luke says the women were helping to support the ministry of Jesus out of their own means. All right, so Jesus is traveling around the region of the Galilee. So this is the northern part of the nation of Israel. 
He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. All 12 disciples are with him, listening to him, watching him, hearing his teaching, receiving explanations. Because Jesus often would preach a parable or he would teach a parable and then later he would gather the disciples around him and he would say, now, well, did you all really understand what this meant? And sometimes the disciples we know would say, well, no, we didn't really get it. And so Jesus would say, okay, let me explain it to you. And he would. And fortunately, we have the benefit in some of these parables to be able to have the explanation. But Luke also gives us additional information that I think he wants us to see because it's important. In addition to the 12 disciples, Jesus also has a group of women who are traveling with him. They're not just listening to the message and then going home. When Jesus and his companions set out for the next village, town, or wherever else it is that they're going, they're traveling, they're hearing the message, their lives are being changed, and they're financially supporting the ministry in the same way that all the 12 disciples were doing. This is not ordinary in these times. And Luke goes to even the point to name the women. He wants us to see how they're hearing the word of God and they're hearing the message and their hearing of the word is causing their hearts to be changed. And so he names them. Mary called Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. Oy, none of the other Gospels list the women by name and tell the resurrection account of Jesus. So none of the other Gospels have the women listed like this as traveling with Jesus until you go to the empty tomb and they go to the empty tomb that, uh, that Easter morning and they find that the stone has been rolled away and then depending on the Gospel account, either they meet Jesus himself as the gardener or as they meet the angels or whatever it is. Just look at the names though. Mary called Magdalene. So what is Luke telling us? We know that she is uh, from a small working class village on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Magdala is a hot spot of archaeological discovery today. It has been for the last 10 or 15 years. They've uncovered synagogue there. They've uncovered all sorts of things. In addition to being from Magdala, Luke also tells us why Mary's important. She's been hailed. She's been healed by Jesus. She's had demons cast out of her. Her life that was once incomplete and broken has now been made complete and broken because of the miraculous, because of the power of God. Luke tells us of Joanna. He says, the wife of Cusa, who was the manager of Herod's home. Why is that significant? Joanna's not an ordinary person. Joanna's name being listed by Luke is significant because Luke wants us to see the distance that the gospel of Jesus is now traveling. It's not just being uh, shared among working class people who are all fishermen like the disciples. It's not being shared amongst the people who, who live in the Galilee and who live in these small villages and towns and, and are, um, you know, work and, and practice commerce with each other each and every day. Luke includes Joanna's name because he wants us to see the extent that Jesus' messages is now traveling. Joanna's not an ordinary housewife. She doesn't live in a regular home like all of these other regular people in these towns of Galilee. She is the wife of the manager of Herod Antipas, meaning that she lives up here where everyone else is living down here. And her husband has the authority to oversee everyone in Herod's home except for Herod himself. So Johanna has heard the gospel message, and this is important, and Luke wants us to see this because he wants us to see that people in all levels of society are being touched by the message of Jesus Christ. He wants us to see that all of these people are hearing this life-changing message, and that it's changing their lives, and they're choosing to do different. This means that the message of Jesus has even meant, uh, gotten to Herod's palace. 
and it's being talked about there, it's significant for us to see the scope that the gospel message of Jesus Christ, even in Jesus' time, was beginning to hit. The last name Luke lists is Susanna. We don't know anything else about her except that the most important part, she chose to follow Jesus. She heard the word, and as she is included in some of the ones that were generous in the way that they chose to support the ministry as well. So here's what it is. They heard the word first. They heard the word, they considered it carefully, they changed their lives, and they chose to pursue it. They chose to pursue it, and pursuing it, they chose to place themselves in places where they were able to hear Jesus further, to witness his ministry, to see for themselves what he was doing, and to be a part of something greater than any one of them could have done for themselves. I think this is what happens in Luke chapter 8, verse 18 that we are seeing in the lives of these women as they had considered carefully the message that they had heard. And it had been allowed to change their lives. And I think for us to read this scripture, we can ask ourselves, how do I consider carefully the word that I have received? And then how do I allow it to change my life and the way that I choose to live, the way that I relate to others, and the way that I, I choose to carry myself? When it comes to the word of God, of, of Jesus, how often do we put ourselves in positions where we are carefully prepared to hear what we are about to hear or to read what we are about to read? I think there's a reason that Jesus included the women besides making the point that the kingdom of God was for them too. I think he wants us to see the necessity of pursuing the life of faith and the change that comes only through Jesus Christ for all of us. Luke wants us to see, as he has done throughout his gospel, in lifting up different people, different individuals that he sees whose lives are being changed and they are choosing to live their life and then to bear fruit. And in their bearing of fruit, they're witnessing to their faith, they're sharing their faith, they're growing in their faith. We all have to do something to, to experience these things. We have to choose to follow. And when it comes to choosing to follow and considering carefully what God has done in the message of Jesus Christ, I think we have to realize that there's no plateau when it comes to faith. I think sometimes we get in our faith where we feel like we're in a comfortable place and we don't really want to go much further because we know that that's going to involve a greater commitment. But I also think that we have to realize that when it comes to the faith and when it comes to growing in our faith, there's no plateau, there's no perfect spot, there's no sweet spot where you can just get there and you can just come to rest without moving forward or without moving backward. There's no perfect state of equilibrium when it comes to our spiritual lives. I don't think there's ever a place where we can come to where we hit this point where, um, where we don't have to, to be pursuing the life that, that God has given us and the faith that he has called us to live. I mean, I think it's easy for, or we can, we can just say, you know, if, if we're not moving forward in our faith, if we're not choosing to take those steps each and every day to read the scripture and to do the other things that we need to do to engage the word of God and to engage the life that he has offered us, then we're moving backwards. There's no plateau. Because when it comes for, for, to faith and, and engaging in the spiritual battle for our hearts and souls, if we aren't choosing to apply ourselves, then we're sliding back. There's no perfect balance. There's no perfect state. 
There's no moving, uh, you know, if we're not moving forward, we're moving back. And I think what that means for us is we have to realize that I can't count today for what I did yesterday. I can't count for today or for tomorrow what I'm going to do today. If Jesus says that he wants every part of us committed to him, what he means by that is he wants every part of us committed to him. Every day, every hour, every minute, everything that we do, whether that's in our workplace or whether that's coming to worship or whether that's sitting down in the morning and and eating breakfast or reading scripture or whatever it is. He wants all of us. So that in all things, we are not plateaued and sliding backwards, but we are moving forward into the gift of faith and into the life and into the relationship that he has offered to each of us. For us to consider the word, for us to hear the word as Jesus shared it to his disciples, we have to be prepared to hear it. We have to consider carefully what he has done, what he is saying, what he is sharing with us, and preparing. It might work differently for all of us, but we have to do the things to where we're ready. So when we hear the word of God, we're attuned to his spirit. We're attuned to what he is saying to us. Whether it's through reading his scripture, whether it's through participating in worship, whether it's through just fellowshipping with others in a Christian relationship, whatever it is. We have to pray for our hearts to be receptive to the work and the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. We have to let go of the sin that holds us back We have to set aside those things that that obstruct us from worshiping God. And as we begin a new year, we have to make sure that the word that we are hearing is the word of God himself. It's the word of Jesus himself. Which means we have to know the word in order to know that what we're hearing is truly the word. We have no excuse. You know, as I was thinking about engaging in the Word of God, of reading the Word of God, of studying the Word of God, think about the benefit that you and I have today. You know, in the 1400s, the Bible was made available from Latin into uh, regular languages. And through printing and and downloads, you can get uh, any devotional, any commentary that you want. Through technology, you and I have access to more information, more podcasts, more audiobooks, more commentaries, more everything than you can ever imagine that is available to help you grow in your faith. But here's the thing that I've realized, is that none of these resources, no matter how good they are and who wrote them, replace you and I getting to the, into the Bible itself. I'm not saying there's not many excellent resources that are written by you know, pastors and theologians and, and lay people who help us to grow in our faith. They're ones we need to be reading but they're ones that we need to be reading alongside our first resource, which is the Bible itself, the Word of God that He has given us. So when it comes to the Word of Jesus, we have to consider carefully what we are hearing, and we have to be prepared to receive it. We have to be ready. I just lost my place. Okay. (laughs) All right, if we're moving backward, we're not moving forward. And then we have to consider and make sure that the word we hear is the word of God and the word of Jesus himself. And we have to do that. We have to be reading. We have to be experiencing the word. We have to be studying the word. We have to be worshiping. We have to be in prayer. We have to be generous with our time, with ourselves, with our resources. We have to be intentional. 
in the way that we choose to live our faith. Because the only way that you and I can grow and move forward in faith is by making the choice each and every day to do so. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at Luke 8. Because Luke 8, Jesus shows us there are many different ways that you and I can hear the Word of God and still miss the gift of grace. And so my prayer is that we will each work each day on making ourselves ready so that God's Word will be an even greater part of who we are and will be an even greater part of how we choose to live. 